Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
Hey, Steve. Howard, how are you? I'm good. You? All right. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. You, you hear me all right? Yep. Yep. I got you. Where are you living? Where? Are, are, are you going to stalk me? No. When, when are you? No. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I'm in Queens. I'm in Queens. Bayside. Bayside? Is that, yeah. is that the coffee shop Yogi still there? No. Which one? Place called Yogi's. No. Where was that? I'm not sure, but I know it was in Bayside. No, 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 no. How do you know that place? My cousin lived there, and so he used to hang out there. Oh, I got you. Where, where are you now? Edgewater, New Jersey. Oh, Edgewater. Right, right, right. What's that really good restaurant in Edgewater? Isn't there a really good restaurant? Yeah, we can talk about restaurants now because I welcome everybody to Howard David Live. He's Steve Serby of the New York Post. What restaurant are we talking about? Let's see. River Palm is probably what you're thinking about. River Pond. So now they're getting free advertisement on my podcast, which is all right. Well, maybe they'll send you some uh, hot items. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, you, have you been there? Or oh, no? yeah, frequently, frequently. I run into Carl Banks there periodically. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, Carl knows his stuff. I yeah. trust Carl. He I does. You know, I'm glad we brought up Carl Banks because in looking at Michael Strahan uh, and retiring his number 92 on Sunday... I started thinking about, you know, the great giant defenses. Now, Strahan, as I recall, was in his rookie year when Lawrence Taylor was still there, right? Right. And the Giants had Carl Banks, they had Taylor, Harry Carson, uh, Leonard Williams. I mean, they had a tremendous... Leonard, Leonard, Leonard Marshall. Marshall. Leonard Marshall. Uh, they had a tremendous defensive team. And I'm wondering why the giant defenses of that time were not mentioned in the same breath with the 85 Bears. Well, the eighty the eighty six giant defense was um, the eighty five Bears. I believe is the best of all time. I think um, the, even some of the eighty six Giants would tell you that. Although that eighty six Giant team could could be one of the top seven, let's say, defenses of all time with uh, LT and, and and Harry Carson and and a young Carl Banks. Um, they're in the conversation, no question. But, you know, when you think of the all-time great defenses, I think of the 85 Bears and even the, the 2000 Ravens. Yeah, yeah, and probably Tampa Bay from the early 2000s also. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're, they're in that class. I mean, the, the, that Ravens defense with Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, boy, ask, ask Kerry Collins about that defense. Yeah. Yeah. That Super Bowl uh, thirty-five was it? Uh, not not good for the Giants. They had no chance. Taking a bite of the Big Apple with Steve Serby, columnist for the New York Post. Sunday's uh, win over Philadelphia, thirteen to seven, produced the Giants produced two hundred and sixty-four offensive yards uh, under Freddie Kitchens, who took over for the uh, departed Jason Garrett. Uh, and look, I'm not going to judge the, uh, the transition on one game. It's not fair. But uh, the fact of the matter is this was a grinded-out win for the Giants uh, over a Philadelphia team 
that uh, probably is in the same league with the Giants right now, certainly in the same division. But Daniel Jones uh, and the offense converted only three of 12 third down plays, uh, 70 yards rushing, 32 came on one run by Saquon Barkley. When you look at this Giants offense, and I remember asking Carl Banks early in the season, is this a make or break year for Daniel Jones? And he emphatically said no. What do you think now? Well, I think um, that uh, he's got to step up his game. Look, they had a short week last week. Let's let's give them that uh, after after the Tampa Bay debacle, and then they, they fired uh, Jason Garrett. So the bottom line is that they can't win games scoring under 20 points, which is all they've been doing uh, under the Daniel Jones, Joe Judge slash uh, Jason Garrett regime. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a pyrrhic victory of sorts if Daniel Jones does not turn the ball over, which he didn't do against the Eagles. But, um, you know, they've got to get the ball to their playmakers. The problem is, the main problem, as I see it, is the offensive line. The offensive line compromises and sabotages the entire offense. And it's difficult for a young quarterback. It's an, it sounds like an excuse, but the bottom line is it is terribly um, debilitating for a young quarterback, a young developing quarterback, to have to try to function behind an offensive line that that does not give you for almost rarely gives you a running game so that makes you one-dimensional and then of course he's he hasn't had sterling shepherd for six weeks galladay was in and out of the lineup Kadarius tony was in it has been in and out of the lineup um they're all excuses daniel jones is not ready or not capable of lifting the the offense the way uh that they were hoping the sixth overall pick of the 2019 NFL draft would and should. Um, so they have a decision to make. I think Daniel Jones will be on the roster. Joe Judge seems to love him. The players respect the hell out of him. But I think it might be behoove them to um, bring in competition next year He's still under his, his rookie deal. And um, I, I think these next six games are very important for Daniel Jones. He's he's going to have to um, fend off the critics and the naysayers who are uncertain whether he is the quarterback of the future. He has not done enough through some fault of his own, but he has not done enough to give you the no-brainer assessment that he is the guy. One thing we saw on Sunday was that Kenny Galladay was targeted more than he had been in recent weeks. He was targeted seven times, caught three passes for 50 yards. Now, that's not exactly Jerry Rice-type Jerry Rice numbers, but at least there was a, an idea to get him more involved. But the Giants could not close out this game, and good teams can close out this game. Uh, they exactly. couldn't. You know, exactly right. So, yep. uh, yeah, they, they, the Giants were fortunate. The, the, the defense played tremendous on the day that Michael Strahan's jersey was retired. But 
the offense cannot put them in the situations they continue to put them in over and over again in the second half and the fourth quarter. They, you're right. They, they, they don't know how to finish. They don't know how to go for the jugular. And their last series before the Eagles had a chance to win it, um, they, they basically said, okay, we're just going to trust our defense to win this game for us. They rolled Daniel Jones out on third down, and uh, he lost eight yards. And he rolled him, rolled him out to the left where he has no chance, very little chance to, to complete a pass because he's much better rolling out to his right. So they just kind of said, okay, we'll trust our defense. It's fine to trust your defense, but against a better quarterback and a better team, they would have lost that game. Steve Serby, columnist for the New York Post, we're taking a bite of the Big Apple with Steve. So Saquon Barkley uh, runs off a 32-yard play. Uh, in 12 other carries, he had eight yards. Uh, that, that doesn't that doesn't exactly cut it. Interesting to note, uh, earlier in the season, I talked to Bill Parcells, and I asked him about his opinion about Saquon Barkley. He said he's he runs very well on the outside, but he's got to develop an inside running game between the tackles. Right. Uh, he, he hasn't done that to this point. Well, yes, no, he hasn't. And one reason, again, is that offensive line, which was supposed to be fixed four years years ago by Dave Gettleman. It never was. And, and also, uh, Barkley is not himself. He doesn't have the explosiveness because of, uh, A, coming back after a year away with that knee, with that reconstructed knee, and then uh, the ankle injury. Uh, in Dallas and he's not the same player he admits he's not the same player but what they what they should do more of and they did a little bit of it the other uh, Sunday against the Eagles they used him as a as a as a receiver out of the backfield they lined him up outside occasionally he caught 91 balls as a rookie get him the ball in in space in the passing game when he was drafted number two overall he was envisioned as a weapon, not a running back, a weapon. And that weapon saw him catch 91 balls as a rookie. And that's how they should use him. Look, I'm not the offensive coordinator. If, if Joe Judge asked me to be the offensive coordinator for a day, I, I, would, get, I would throw the ball to Saquon Barkley as often as I could. I mean, that, that is the safety valve that that Eli Manning had in his final days. And, that's, and that can only help Daniel Jones, and it can only help the offensive line. You get the ball to Saquon in the passing game in space. Let's see how that works. Steve, let me ask you about uh, uh, in the beginning of the season, and I admit to being dumb because I picked the Giants to win the division. Uh, I don't know why I thought that, but but I did. Uh, no, I didn't. That's, that's not a dumb. They were, they were, you, I didn't pick them to win the division, but I thought they had a, a legitimate shot to win the division. I thought Washington would win the division, but um, that, that's still possible, I guess. But um, look, they, they they brought in Kenny Galladay. They they drafted Kadarius Tony, um, and this was Daniel Jones' third year. He was going to make the leap. That's the reason they kept Jason Garrett, so they could keep Garrett 
together, same offensive coordinator with Daniel Jones. Um, and again, they gambled on the offensive line, and the gamble did not pay off. It's going to cost Dave Kettleman his job. Uh, <clears throat> Nick Gates got hurt. Shane Lemieux got hurt. Andrew Thomas got hurt. Uh, you know, Gettleman tried addressing the offensive line uh, a year ago when he drafted Andrew Thomas and Shane Lemieux. And um, and Matt Pert, who should be on the field more now, by now he's a third-round pick. But the gamble didn't pay off, and, and the Giants are where they are primarily because of the offensive line. There are other factors, uh, but the offensive line has uh, inhibited Daniel Jones to a large degree. I don't want to let what you just said go because you implied that it's going to cost Dave Gettleman his job. You think he's on the way out after the season? Well, I don't. I don't see how how he could not be. I mean, the record is. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but the record is not a pretty one. And he vowed to fix the offensive line, and it's not fixed. Case closed. I hear what you're saying. Um, they played the Miami Dolphins this week. They go to Miami. This is a Dolphin team that's won four straight now. Uh, and I've not been a big fan of Tua Tagovailoa, but I will give him credit where credit is due. He completed 27 out of 31 passes on Sunday uh, against Carolina for 230 yards. And Jalen Waddles, the real deal, there's no doubt about that, caught 137 yards worth of balls and one touchdown. And they also had 111 rushing yards. This team's been averaging only 19 points a game. The Giants are averaging 18 points a game. <laughs> so... I think it's fair to say, Steve, we're not going to see a shootout on Sunday. Hey, you never know. Yeah. In this league, in this league, you can't predict. Who knows? Um, but probably not. Brian Flores is a defensive coach, and uh, Pat Graham is at the top is at the top of his game right now for uh, the Giants' defensive coordinator. Um, the problem with the Giant defense, though, you know, two is going to have time to throw because they can't rush the pass. You know, and that was another reason some people picked the Giants to win the division. You, you thought maybe that uh, their second-round pick, Ojolari, would provide the pass rush that has been missing uh, seemingly ever since Strahan retired, or not long after, since Justin Tuck and company retired. But uh, uh, the Giants get by on their with their secondary, yeah. and and. Two is going to have time to throw because every quarterback facing the Giants does. But no, your your prediction of the Giants to win the division is is not outlandish, considering the division was totally up for grabs last year, and it may end up being up for grabs again this year. There's no there's no dominant team in the NFC East. Watching Washington last night against Seattle, um, and I remember the the you know the Legion of Doom in Seattle. They don't they don't represent anything close to that any longer uh i mean russell wilson had a decent game last night but he didn't target metcalf until well into the second quarter and you could see uh on the sidelines they showed on the sidelines i don't know if you saw it but metcalf was enraged and he was he was running his mouth on coaches and i gotta believe it's because he wasn't targeted so it almost seems like wilson went out of his way to bring metcalf back to the fold and he started throwing balls to Metcalf when he was totally covered. Uh, so, I mean, right now Seattle is on their way out. They're not going to come close to making the playoffs. 
but Washington, you're right. They still have a legitimate shot, and their defense is really what holds them together. Yeah, without Chase Young, right? Right. Yeah, well, that's, you know, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio are pretty, Jack Del Rio are accomplished defensive coaches, right? Um, but I wish you wouldn't have brought up Metcalf. He's on one of my fantasy teams, so that, that <laughs> kind of stings a little bit. But, you know, you can throw the ball to Metcalf when he's covered because sometimes that guy is open when he's covered. But the problem is Russell Wilson's finger, uh, he, he's not making the same throws he used to make, and he's not... Right now, he's not the same quarterback. Right. And I, I got him on two of my fantasy teams, too. So he's killing me. Well, he had pretty decent numbers this week. And, and coincidentally, Wilson's on my fantasy team, as well as Tyler Lockett, so, who had a pretty good game last night, a couple of big plays. But Metcalf, we were against Metcalf last night, so forgive me, but I was hoping Metcalf wouldn't score a point. He wound up catching a couple of balls. But that aside, it, it, it's in. Steve, if I said to you, name the best team in the National Football League, could you do it? Um, right, right now, this very second, right now it's uh, probably the Green Bay Packers, if not the Tampa Bay Bucks, if not the New England Patriots. We might have a Brady-Belichick Super Bowl. Can you believe that? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Oh, that would be unbelievable. <laughs> that would be... That would be the all-time hype Super Bowl, wouldn't it? Well, if you rem- if you remember, Belichick, Belichick loaded up in the off season, and with all those free agent signings, um, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Matthew Judon, who's been tremendous, um, Kyle Van Noy returned to the fold, and you know, and, and I wrote this, you know that Belichick didn't like hearing. And, or watching Tom Brady win th- that seventh Lombardi Trophy without him. And not that Bill Belichick ever needs any extra motivation to try to win, but he is going all out in his in the twilight of his Hall of Fame GOAT career um, to get back to the Super Bowl and win one without Brady. And he's got himself a quarterback, it looks like. Mac Jones slid to the 15th pick, and um, right now, right now, I mean, it's a long way to go, but right now he's the best quarterback from that draft class. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, well, we've always known, look, Belichick is a defensive coach, and the defense uh, is, is, is really doing a heck of a job. I mean, they've won six in a row. Think about that. I mean, Buffalo is supposed to win the division now. I mean, it's it's beautiful to see that it's going to be decided on the field on Sunday, where uh, uh, the the Bills host the Patriots. Keep this in mind: the Patriots are unbeaten on the road. They're five and zero. Yeah, it's it's look the kid Mac Jones can, should consider himself lucky to have landed in a place where the environment is conducive to winning. He's got a Hall of Fame coach. And he's got an offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, who is considered elite. And um, he, he's Mac Jones looks like the real deal. It's 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 amazing what that he ended up in New England with Bill Belichick, who desperately needed a quarterback because Cam Newton was obviously not the guy. And I remember seeing Mac Jones up in when the Giants and Patriots had a uh, joint scrimmage in August. 
And I, I was watching Mac Jones closely. The first scrimmage, he, he tore the Giants up. Uh, but I just was really uh, intrigued and impressed by the way he commanded his teammates. He looked like, he didn't look like a rookie. He looked like a, a, a five-year veteran. And the way his teammates gravitated to him and his leadership looked off the charts. And um, it's, it's, no, it's really, when you think about it, um, it's not that, not that shocking coming off, uh, coming off a career in Alabama under Nick Saban. Um, he got to learn under Nick Saban. Now he's learning under Bill Belichick, same as Giants head coach Joe Judge. Um, but Mac Jones, boy, he were, he's, you can see him developing. He's, he's, they're, they're not, he is ahead of Tom Brady when Brady was a rookie. Um, Brady was mostly a, a game manager uh, when Brady, his second year, which was his first year starting. Brady's second year in the NFL under Charlie Weiss and Belichick. He was mostly a game manager. And Mac Jones looks like a game manager plus right now. So you know, not saying he's going to be Tom Brady. There's no way. There's, there will never be another Tom Brady. But but Mac Jones is, is ahead of the curve, is ahead of the Brady curve, which is incredible. Well, he's spreading it around. Uh, Sunday he had five receivers catch at least three balls. Uh, and, and the reason for that is, is obvious. They don't have one really great receiver. they got a bunch of guys. But, uh, you know, the defense. Uh, let me go back to what well, you said. He's doing, Mac Jones is doing what the Giants wanted Daniel Jones to do, distribute the ball, be a point guard, and, um, and manage the game and win the game. Uh, Mac Jones is winning the games. Daniel Jones is not winning the games. No, fair point. Uh, look, you also covered the Jets. Uh, let me talk about... Uh, last Sunday, and I don't I think it was, what, the second time this year that the Jets and the Giants have won on the same day? Yeah, second time. Week four was the first time. Yeah. So here's, so uh, Zach Wilson comes back and plays, uh, and he's just pedestrian at best. Um, they wound up winning the game, uh, but that aside, the, and I believe it was your colleague, Mike Vaccaro, who wrote today that Zach Wilson has got to prove that without a shadow of a doubt that he is the number one quarterback of the Jets. I mean, they they, they picked him uh, after Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I still think the kid's got a chance to be something. Uh, but this Jets organization, uh, they really haven't – I mean, what have they done in the last few years to make you feel that there's anything's going to change? And I'm a big fan of Robert Sala. I think the guy's a good coach. The question is, is this organization, is Joe Douglas going to give him the weapons he needs? Well – First of all, they have two number one picks next year, and right now they're both both top five picks. Wow! Um, and he's got two seconds as well. That uh, that trade for Jamal Adams it was an absolute steal, uh, getting Seattle's number one pick, and uh, Seattle collapsing the way they are makes that pick that much better. So, uh, look, Joe Douglas, when Sam Darnold was the quarterback. Uh, Joe Douglas told us that he promised Darnold's parents that he would protect him. He would take care of him. And he drafted Mekhi Becton with the 11th pick in the 2020 draft. And he drafted Denzel Mims with the second pick of that draft. And the idea was to start surrounding Sam Darnold with 
protectors and playmakers. Now, of course, Darnold and, and uh, Adam, Adam Gase was not the quarterback whisperer that the Jets thought he might be. And that's why Robert Sala is now the coach. And that's why Sam Darnold is now uh, injured and in the doghouse in Carolina. But Douglas last year uh, traded up for Elijah Vera Tucker. And um, in, a, in, in an effort to build an offensive line in front of Zach Wilson, protectors and playmakers. And he added Corey Davis in free agency. Again, protectors and playmakers. So he, he's, he's making the effort to build around Zach Wilson and give him a chance to succeed. And, um, you know, Michael Carter in the fourth round looks like a good, a good running back. So I think, I think with those two picks next year, with those two first rounders, uh, and two second rounders, I think you're going to see another offensive lineman and another wide receiver because they're going to probably, they're going to lose Jamison uh, Crowder, uh, and move Elijah Moore into the slot. And Elijah Moore, by the way, another playmaker. So Joe Douglas is doing the right thing by Zach Wilson. And, um, uh, I think, uh, I think uh, Jet fans cannot wait for the 2022 NFL Draft. He'll, Joe Douglas is a former offensive lineman, so he knows the value of uh, of a sturdy offensive line. The problem is Makai Beckton's been hurt. Yeah, they got to get him healthy, and they got to get him healthy and keep him healthy because that could be that could be a, a, a dominant left side of the line. With they love Vera Tucker, so uh, and by the way, Gettleman could have drafted Vera Tucker. Um, and he could have drafted Rayshon Slater, but he traded down, got a got a first round pick from the Bears, which will also be a good pick next year. But again, the gamble, Gettleman's gamble on his offensive line didn't pay off. Taking the bite of the Big Apple with Steve Servi of the New York Post. You mentioned Michael Carter, who's out now, uh, probably be for a few weeks. But you hit on the, the guy, Elijah Moore. When I heard about him early on, I saw a couple of games last year when he played at Ole Miss. I think, and I don't want to overrate anybody, but this kid has got enormous ability. He's got speed. Yeah, he's a small guy, but he can create space. I love this kid. I think they got themselves a steal. Yeah, they did. He, uh, many people, a lot of people thought he'd be uh, he'd go in the first round, and uh, the Jets couldn't believe their luck when he was available at uh, I believe 34 was it but uh, it'll be interesting comparing his career with Kadarius Tony's career um, you know Elijah Moore was the talk of the training camp for the Jets and Kadarius Tony has shown flashes but he's been hurt so look they're both tremendous talents Elijah Moore should have been a first round pick and the Jets uh Zach Wilson's going to love having him for, for the next five five years, assuming Zach Wilson is everything we think he is. And I think I think Zach Wilson um, will will develop um, under um, Michael Floor, and um, but he's got to you know he's got to show that he learned his lessons operating this offense the way Mike White operated it, the way Joe Flacco even operated it, 
the way Josh Johnson operated it. Uh, the kid, the kids at Jim Rat, they love his work ethic. They love his intangibles. Uh, if he can stay healthy, uh, I, I, he's got he's got arm talent that very few have. No, I would agree, Steve. Uh, you, you mentioned Kadarius Tony. I, I I can't even believe what 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 he said about rugs and his comment on it. I said, do yourself a favor. Don't say anything rather than say something so so foolish. Uh, yeah, and, well, there's look, there's a lot of players, and there's probably a lot of uh, media people that that <laughs> that should uh, stay off social media as as, as often as possible. Yeah, it, it, once you hit that send button, good luck. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's look. The kid's got a lot of growing up to do, and uh, uh, I think some of these these are all growing pains off the field that Kadarius is going through. But Joe Judge loves him. He's a smart foot, football player. He's he, he gets it, but he gets it on the field. He's got to start getting it off the field. Before I let you go, Steve, let me ask you about the the, the Strahan ceremony the other day. Uh, he was quoted as saying that you know what took so long. Uh, it's a valid question. What took the Giants so long to retire his number? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was talking about that with my wife the other day. She asked me why why that didn't happen, because Eli Manning's happened pretty quickly. So I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. But better late than never, right? Yeah. Hey, look, Michael Strahan uh, has, uh, has t- life after football has been good to Michael Strahan. I mean, he is he's a natural. He's He's entertaining. He's funny. He's got a good sense of who he is. Oh, he's, it's, it's amazing what he's become, what he's made of himself. Uh, credit to him. We all, most of the uh, most of the writers that were covering those Giants back then thought that Tiki Barber would have this kind of television slash uh, entertainment career. Uh, Tiki is obviously still visible, but Michael Strahan's in a league of his own, and... Uh, he deserves all the credit in the world. He, you're right. He's a natural on television. He's comfortable in his own skin. And uh, kudos to him. He's, he's a Hall of Famer on the field, and he's a Hall of Famer off the field. Keep up the great work, Steve. He's Steve Serby taking a bite of the Big Apple with yours truly, Howard David. Uh, and don't forget, most importantly, Steve, stay safe. You too. Thank you, Howard. Same to you. Steve Serby of the New York Post, great columnist. Boy, they got a, a bunch of great columnists in that newspaper. I mean, there's Mike Vaccaro, there's Mark Cantazero. By the way, it was on that uh, Tiger Woods press conference earlier today, uh, which I found very, very interesting. Uh, it's, um, look, the, the sports world is has got its moments where you stand up and go, wow. And then you got them, they go, whoa. And to that end, to that end, this has got to be the year that baseball erases a tragic mistake. Gil Hodges has to be elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. There is no reason why he's not, period. You talk about the premier first baseman of his time in the 50s, he was that. 370 home runs, come on. In an era when the balls weren't flying out of the ballpark, his wife Joan is still alive. Put Gil Hodges into the Hall of Fame while she's still with us, okay? That's my bite of the Big Apple. I'm Howard David. Don't forget to stay safe. We're going to move on. You can't stop this every day. I was
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.